Petaluma Radio Players. Like talking on air. And now, the Petaluma Radio Players, located just north of the Golden Gate Bridge in Northern California's Sonoma County wine country, bring you another provocative radio drama from their home on www.kpca.fm. Our drama during this week's presentation, Chekhov's Revenge by Roy Proctor. Though Anton Chekhov is widely revered as the father of modern drama here in the West, did you know that in his native Russia, he is better known for the hundreds of short stories, novellas and sketches he authored during his medical school days until he died of tuberculosis in the early 20th century at the age of 44? Well, the comic timing and irony in the next two scenes is likely to kill you too. With laughter. And now, Chekhov's Revenge. Hello, this is Barton Smith, welcoming you to the maritally conniving world of Anton Chekhov. In America, Chekhov is revered primarily as a father of modern drama. In his native Russia, however, he celebrated much more as a master of the short story. Chekhov wrote his four major plays toward the end of his short life. They're masterpieces to be sure and filled with provincial angst. Chekhov wrote hundreds of short stories, novellas, and sketches from his medical school days until, at age 44, he died of tuberculosis in 1904. From aristocrats to peasants, from mansions to shacks, the sweep of his stories is as expansive as Mother Russia herself. Little in the Russian character escaped his notice, especially not when it involved marital mischief and the price it might entail. Today's story, a dark comedy for radio, Chekhov's Revenge, which playwright Roy Proctor adapted from two Chekhov short stories, takes a doubleheader look at marital revenge, Chekhov style. Our first tale, Settling the Score, is set outside then inside a gun store in a provincial Russian city in the waning days of the 19th century. It pits a hot-headed husband against an officious shopkeeper. Let's listen in. Well, here I am, full of piss and vinegar, bulging with resolve, about to enter schmuck and company, gunsmiths and gun merchants extraordinaire. I know what I have to do. Don't try to talk me out of it. My home is destroyed. My honor is trampled. Vice is triumphant, but not for long. I have worked it all out. I'll kill her first, then her lover, then myself. I can see it now. Blood-stained corpses. Broken skulls oozing brains. The commotion. The gaping spectators. The delectable horror of it all. The only question is how I'll pull it off. My, my, just look at the selection here. Oh, my, almost every lethal firearm conceived by the mind of man. But why is it quiet as tomb? The place is deserted. Where's the confounded clerk? Uh, monsieur. Ah, there you are. Uh, what is your pleasure, monsieur? 
I could have walked off with half your merchandise by now. You're lucky I didn't. <laughs> Many have tried, monsieur, but none have succeeded. Uh, Schmuck and company takes deadly aim. What can I do for you, monsieur? I need a revolver. Uh, for what purpose, might I ask? What business is it of yours? Uh, we're in the firearms business, monsieur. Uh, different revolvers serve different purposes. Uh, well, I, I need it for my country cottage. To uh, scare away burglars. I see. Now, in this display case, uh, for, for your purposes, monsieur, I'd advise you to invest in this superb Smith & Wesson revolver. Uh, the last word in the science of firearms, triple action with rejector, kills at 600 paces. Here, monsieur, don't be afraid to handle it. How does it feel, monsieur? Heavy. Let me draw your attention, monsieur, to the beauty of the finish. It's the most fashionable revolver we have. How does it feel now that you've had a moment to get acquainted? Heavy, to be sure, and cold. Yes, cold. Very, very cold, but uh, efficient, I'd say. Ah, be careful, monsieur. Don't point it at me. Uh, point it at your uh, burglars. What burglars? I thought you said... Well, never mind. Uh, our display guns are not loaded, monsieur, but one can never be too sure. How much does it cost? We'll get to that, monsieur. Uh, we sell at least a dozen of these every day for burglars, wolves, and... Uh, would you believe? Uh, lovers? It's very accurate. It hits from a great distance. It can kill a wife and a lover with one bullet. As for suicide, I don't know a better weapon. But how much? Uh, 45 rubles, monsieur. 45 rubles? 45? My God, that's too expensive. Uh, in that case, monsieur, let me suggest something less expensive. Uh, now, over here, in this case, we have a limited choice in the lower price range for our rare customers of limited means. Here, for instance, is a Le Foucher Revava. How much? But you don't want... Uh, How much they all kill? I thought you only want to uh, scare your burglars. How much, damn it? Oh, only 18 rubles, monsieur. Ah, that's more like it. Why waste a fine gun on uh, burglars? Ah, but monsieur, it's an old-fashioned make. Do you know who buys these now? Who? Only hysterical ladies and the uh, mentally deficient. I'm neither one, I tell you. Oh, I didn't say you will, monsieur, but I will just tell you that shooting one's wife or her lover or committing suicide with a Le Faucher revolver is considered bad form nowadays. It's simply not done in the best families. Smith & Wesson is the way to go if you want to hold your head up in society, at least until you shoot it off. <laughs> Stifle the jokes. This is serious business. It always is, monsieur. And I don't want to shoot anyone. Much less myself. I told you that. Even if I did, it would be none of your business, you Frenchified popinjay. Oh, monsieur, you misunderstand. I told you I am buying it for my country cottage. To frighten burglars. Can't you understand plain Russian? Uh, let me assure you, monsieur, that your reason for any purchase is none of our concern. If Schmuck and company had to ascertain the real reason for every purchase, we'd have to close our shop. Uh, but, monsieur, uh, this Le Fosse is not even suitable for scaring burglars. Why not? It goes off with a faint, muffled sound. It's like a guard dog that doesn't bark, just whimpers. 
Who needs that, monsieur? You want a big bang, big drama, big excitement. When the big moment comes... Uh, wait a moment. Uh, here, monsieur, uh, what about this dueling pistol? Uh, take it in your hands. Caress it. Take it to your bosom. Ah. How does it feel, monsieur? Feel? Why are you walking away? Why didn't I think of this before? Why don't I challenge that scoundrel to a duel? But maybe that's doing him too much honor. Beasts like that should be shot in the face at close range, like junkyard dogs. Uh, Monsieur, uh, take care not to remove any firearm from the premises. Uh, This lifting dueling pistol would do the job all right. It would blow out their brains. No question. Blood would gush all over the carpet and the parquet. My strumpet of a wife. Ha! Would twist and turn and cry out in agony. And then be heard no more. Ha! The blood, the wailing, the horror of it all. But wait, I have a better idea. I'll kill him, then I'll kill myself, but I'll spare the horror of Babylon. Why not let her feel the stings of conscience and the world's contempt? For a pretentious soul like hers, that would be worse than death itself. I can see it now. I, the injured husband, lying in my coffin with a gentle smile on my lips. And she, the whore of Babylon, pale, wrecked with the remorse, following the coffin, not knowing where she can hide to escape the hatred, being spewed on her like cascading vomit by the indignant crowd. Oh, yes. Dogs pee on her. Children spit at her. Old women lean out their windows to empty chamber pots on her head. Uh, Monsieur, uh, Monsieur... Yes. Uh, Monsieur, I I hate to intrude. Why are you then? Monsieur, I truly believe that a gentleman of your dignity and importance would be happier with the Smith & Wesson. I I think your uh, burglars would expect no less. And if you think it's too expensive, very well. Schmuck and company is prepared to knock off five rubles. Yes, but... Of course, monsieur, as I've shown you, we have other makes, cheaper makes, inferior makes... Step this way and I'll show you. But... Uh, Try this one, monsieur. Mm. How much? How much? How much? Uh, Always how much? Uh, 30 rubles, monsieur. That's not expensive. Not when you consider how far the exchange rate has dropped. How fast customs duties are rising. Monsieur, I am a conservative man. Uh, But even I am beginning to murmur. Why, with the exchange rate diving and the customs tariff soaring, only the rich can purchase decent firearms these days. Uh, There's nothing left for the poor but Tula weapons. What a misery they are. How's that? With a Tula revolver, God forbid, uh, you aim at your wife and shoot yourself through the shoulder blade. Oh, my. Monsieur, why are you walking away again? But wait, why should I be dead? How mortifying. Why shouldn't I witness the agonies of the horror of Babylon? What good is revenge if I'm dead? Revenge is only sweet if I can taste its fruits. Why should I be the one lying there in my coffin, cold as sturgeon, knowing nothing about it? Wait, I know. I'll kill him. Then I'll go to his funeral and look on. Then after the funeral, I'll kill myself. They'd arrest me, though. Before the funeral and take away my pistol. Now, let me get this straight. I'll kill him. 
she'll remain alive, and for the time being, I'll spare myself and get arrested instead. I'll always have time to kill myself. I can take my sweet time about it. Then, at the preliminary inquiry, I'll be able to expose the infamy of her conduct. You see, if I kill myself and she's still alive, she may, with her usual duplicity and impudence, throw all the blame on me. Then society will justify her behavior and laugh at me. Besides, why should I kill myself? Shooting oneself is cowardly. So I'll kill him and let her live. I'll face my trial. Yes, I'll endure my trial and she will be brought into court as a witness. Of course, I can see it now. I can feel it in my bones. Her confusion, her disgrace when my counsel examines her. The court, the press, the public... All will sympathize with me. Uh, monsieur? Uh, monsieur? Yes, what is it? I have some other choices here. Would you be so kind, monsieur, as to come back and look at them? Shoot. Beg pardon, monsieur? Go ahead, do your spiel. Now, uh, this one's English. A new pattern. Uh, we just received it. But I warn you, monsieur... This revolver pales beside the Smith & Wesson. Maybe you read about one particular Smith & Wesson the other day. Maybe I did. Maybe I didn't. An officer bought a Smith & Wesson from us. He shot his wife's lover, and would you believe it? The bullet passed through the lover, pierced a bronze lamp, then penetrated a piano. Is that all? Of course not, monsieur. It ricocheted off the piano, killed the lapdog, and bruised his wife's left breast. Very efficient, I must say. We're so proud. It was in all the newspapers. It's a magnificent achievement, buttressing the prestige of Schmuck and Company. What happened to the officer? He's under arrest. He'll no doubt be convicted and sent to Siberia. Why? Our penal code is hopelessly out of date, monsieur. Nowadays, the sympathies of the court are always with the lover. Oh, my. Why is that? Very simple, monsieur. The judges, the jury, the prosecutor, the defense counsel, all are cuddling with other men's wives. It adds to their comfort to know that with every conviction, there will be one less husband running loose in Russia. Society would be pleased if the government sent all husbands to Siberia. But that's terrible. Oh, monsieur, you can't believe the corruption of morals nowadays. Loving other men's wives is of no more consequence than smoking other men's cigarettes, drinking other men's vodka, reading other men's books, wearing other men's underwear. I don't believe it. Don't breathe a word of this, monsieur, but every year... Our trade gets worse and worse. This doesn't mean wives are more faithful. It means husbands are resigning themselves to their plight. They're afraid of legal consequences and penal servitude. And whose fault is it, monsieur? The government's? Why should I go to prison camp for pig like that? That makes no sense either. Uh, monsieur? If I go to prison, I'll only give my wife the opportunity to marry and deceive a second husband. She would triumph. Uh, monsieur? I've got it. I'll leave her alive... I won't kill myself, and I won't kill him either. I'll punish them, wither them, with my contempt. I'll start divorce proceedings that will create a scandal. Uh, monsieur, why do you keep wandering away? Who are you talking to? 
What business is it of yours? Here, monsieur, is another style. Let me call your attention to the innovative mechanism of the lock. I don't want it. Don't want? It's no use. No use, monsieur. I must apologize for taking up so much of your time. All for nothing. What's that? What? The box in your hand. Only bullets, monsieur. Bullets? A box of bullets for a gun you didn't buy. I'm taking them to the storeroom. How much? One box, monsieur? No, one bullet. <sighs> it's on the house, monsieur. Courtesy of Schmuck and Company. Shall I wrap it, monsieur? Yes. Shall I gift wrap it, monsieur? Yes, of course. Very well, monsieur. And be quick about it. I don't have all day. So, what did Fyodor do with that single bullet? Gift wrap, no less? Chekhov didn't put that parting zinger in his tail, and the adapter says he has no idea how it got in his play, much less what Fyodor did with it. Just don't wager that Fyodor and his wife ever reconciled. Now, let's take a look at another marital mishmash. Our second tale, The Hussy, takes place on a hot summer afternoon in the living room of a modest villa overlooking the Black Sea in Crimea. Pasha, an aging and perpetual chorus girl, lives there. She's entertaining a gentleman from Moscow named Nikolai. He sits half-clothed, sipping wine and fanning himself, while Pasha, wearing a kimono, has stepped into another room. The doorbell rings. What's afoot? Let's listen in. Pasha, someone's at the door. I hear it. Look at you. Half naked. Quick, go in the bedroom. Take your stockings with you. Not so fast. I'm coming. It must be the postman or one of the girls. Now, stay out of sight. Yes, madam? Is, is my husband here? Husband? Don't play dumb with me. You must have the wrong address, madam. You know who I am. But... My husband, Nikolai Petrovich Gorbakov. No, uh, no, madam. I don't know any husband. What does he look like? You know what he looks like. I can assure you. Don't take me for a fool. I'm not. So, you say he's not here? What gives you the right to barge in here? I have every right. I don't know what you're talking about. I ask you, what right? Every right, you despicable, vile creature. I beg your pardon? You heard me. You are a horrid hussy. I'm glad I can tell you so at least. But, madam... Three days ago, I traveled here on a filthy train from Moscow. To tell you that. But where is my husband? I don't. Stop. Don't tell me any more lies. Uh, but I'm not. You should know that some money is missing at the bank. A large sum of money. I know nothing of the sort. The police are looking for Nikolai Petrovich to arrest him. I assure you, madam, that it's I know. It's only a matter of time until they find him. Madam, please. Sit down. Calm yourself. 
No buts about it. He stole the money for you. You, you loathsome mercenary hussy. Look here. You can't just barge in and... I'm helpless, I tell you. Do you hear me? My children are helpless. You are stronger than we are. But there is a power far beyond your wicked reach. The power of righteousness. God sees all. God is just. He'll punish you for every tear I have shed, for all my sleepless nights, for robbing my sweet children of their father. Your time will come. I wish I could help you, madam, but there's been some horrible mistake. I wish you can't help me. You can start by telling the truth. I've known about you and Nikolai Petrovich for a long time. I know that since I arrived from Moscow three days ago, he's been living here, spending all his time with you. Well, what if he has? What of it? I have a great many visitors, but I don't force anyone to come here. Gentlemen are free to come and go as they like. Even when they're embezzlers? I know nothing. Do you understand what I'm telling you? For the sake of such a, such a vile creature as you, for your sake, Nikolai Petrovich has committed a crime. You have no morals. You live to do harm. That's your sole object in life, to live off other people and destroy them. Have you fallen so low you have no feeling left? No decency? Nikolai Petrovich has a wife. Me. He has three beautiful children. If he's sent to Siberia, we'll starve. But what can I... You can save me and my children from destitution and disgrace. If I can restore the missing 900 rubles first thing Monday morning... I feel sure the bank will drop the matter. Only 900 rubles. What 900 rubles? I know nothing about 900 rubles. I didn't take it. I haven't seen it. I'm not asking you for 900 rubles. I don't want your money. I'm asking you for something else. Men give expensive things to women like you. Just give me back the things my husband gave you. Madam, your husband has never given me anything except his kind regards. You're lying. Madam, I know. Where is the money he embezzled then? It wasn't his to give. What has become of it? I know nothing about it. You should ask him. In the name of all that's holy, give me back the things he gave you. I said a lot of nasty things to you. I get carried away. I apologize. You must hate me, I know, but if you are capable of any compassion, put yourself in my position. I would with pleasure, but with God as my witness, he never gave me anything. Blasphemy. May God strike you dead. <gasps> Believe me, on my conscience. No, wait a moment. I do recall now, right after we met, Nikolai Petrovich did bring me two little things. Trinkets, really. 
certainly. I will give them back if you wish. Trinkets. You're lying. I want everything back. Oh, very well. I will give the trinkets back. And now, where is the key to that little drawer? How would I know? Oh, here it is. In its warm nest next to my heart. What heart? Here they are. A bracelet and a ring. Obviously fake. But these are mine. I thought I had lost them. Madam, I didn't ask Nikolai Petrovich. Oh, God. He was stealing from me, too. How was I to know? These are not fake, but they're not 900 rubles either. I'm not asking for charity. I'm just asking for what doesn't belong to you. Just return what you have squeezed out of my husband, that weak, unhappy man. Madam. Don't you madam me. But I And did. don't you butt me either. I've been here since Thursday. On Friday night, when I saw you with my husband at the harbor, you were dripping with expensive brooches and bracelets. It's no use playing the innocent lamb. A lamb's disguise doesn't become a devourer of other women's husbands. I ask you one last time, will you surrender the things he gave you or not? You are a queer one, I must say. Except for that bracelet and that little ring, I've never seen a thing from your Nikolai Petrovich. He brings me nothing but sweet cakes and his kind regard. Sweet cakes? Little sweet cakes, very little. Tiny, hardly sweet at all. And this bottle, you wash those sweet cakes down with this, his favorite wine? It's a common label, madam. My children? may have nothing to eat for the rest of their young lives, and you eat sweet cakes and get drunk? You disgust me. Please, believe me. They're hardly sweet at all. Oh, what's to be done now? If I don't get 900 rubles, he's ruined. The children are ruined. I'm ruined. What shall I do? Kill myself? Of course not. Kill you? Oh, please. Or should I fall to my knees and grovel for what is rightfully mine? You'd like that, wouldn't you? Is that what you want? Madam, I don't wish you any pain. Then I beg you. You've plundered my husband. You can save him now. You can save his sweet, innocent children in their hour of peril. What have my children done to deserve this? Nothing, madam. All your poor children. Standing in the street. Crying with hunger. I can't stand the thought. I knew you would come to your senses. What can I do, madam? You say I'm a low woman. You say I have ruined Nikolai Petrovich, but I assure you, before God Almighty, I have taken nothing from him except that bracelet and ring. Don't forget the sweet cakes. What? The damn sweet cakes. The sweet cakes, you hussy. Oh, the sweet cakes. Only one girl in our course has a rich admirer. All the rest of us. Live hand to mouth on bread and brandy and kind regard. And sweet cakes, you fool. Yes, well, Nikolai Petrovich is an educated, refined gentleman. What if I have made him feel welcome? I'm not in line for sainthood. 
We're bound to make gentlemen comfortable to make ends meet. You're wasting my time. You're trying my patience. You have me crying. You have me humiliating myself. Again, must I go down on my knees? I will if you wish. Oh, no. But I must. Madam, please don't. Don't tell me what. It's my children's lives you are ruining. I'll fall to my knees if I want to. Oh, madam. Let me help you. Please, stand up. Get your hands off me. Your duty is clear. Very well. I will give you things. Here. There. Two hands full. There. Only these are not from Nikolai Petrovich. I got them from other gentlemen. But take them and grow rich. And if you are a lady, his lawful wife... You should keep him to yourself. I should think so. I never asked him to come here. He came of his own accord. This isn't everything. There won't be 500 rubles worth here. There's more, much more in that drawer. Here. Take it all. I've nothing left. You can search all you want. I've nothing left but my dignity. I'm claiming only what's mine. Now get out of my house. Get out of my life. Don't worry. I'm going. I just hope I can make it back to the bank in time. Good riddance. Oh, my God. Nikolai Petrovich! I'm glad that's over. I heard every word. What presents did you make me? When, pray tell? Presents? No matter. My God. She cried before you. She humbled herself. I'm asking you. What presents did you give me? My God. She, a lady. My wife, the mother of my children. So proud, so pure, so beautiful. She was ready to go down on her knees to you. She did fall to her knees. You! You hussy! And I've brought her to this. I've allowed it! But, Nikolai... Get your hands off me. Get away! You, you Jezebel! Oh, my God. Just think. She went down on her knees just to save me. My guardian angel, she bowed before you. Oh, my God! Where are you going? To Moscow, never to return. No, stay. We can figure this... You're mad! Oh, my God. I'm ruined. What have I done? No more sweet cakes... What's to become of me now? What indeed? With no more sweet cakes, Pasha's future surely will be bleak. But what if Nikolai weren't an embezzler at all? What if Olga's tale of marital woe was just one big ruse to... Well, it's just too terrible to contemplate, isn't it? That's the story that Chekhov might have written, but alas, did not. This concludes Chekhov's Revenge. This has been the Petaluma Radio Players production of Chekhov's Revenge by Roy Proctor. Directed by 
Linda J. Starring Ben Kaplan as Fyodor Fyodorovich Segaev, Ralph Scott as the Frenchified shopkeeper, Shirley Bennett as Olga, Kendra Murray as Pasha, Ben Kaplan as Nikolai Petrovich Kopakov, and Barton Smith as the host, also known as announcer, for both scenes. Recording engineers, Ralph Scott and Kendra Murray. Post-production supervisor, Bob Shepard. Produced by Ralph Scott and Kendra Murray. Copyright 2018, the Petaluma Radio Players, LLC. We're on the web at PetalumaRadioPlayers.com. I'm your announcer, Kendra Murray. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you have enjoyed this presentation. Please join us on www.kpca.fm. Cheers! Like talking on